storm still happened. The storm, as it said in the passage, the boat was nearly swamped. So it had really kicked off. It wasn't just threatening to happen. It was now happening to the point that the disciples were frightened that they would drown. And I also need to remind you that, you know, amongst those disciples, we had experienced fishermen, experienced sailors. So if they panic, the other disciples had good reason to panic. And yet Jesus was sleeping. Panic is very contagious. Especially if the person panicking is someone who is very knowledgeable, very skilled, very experienced in that area, that aspect. So you get a doctor's report and the doctor looks really grim and says, this doesn't look good. Well, they know it all. So if they're panicking, you panic. If you turn and the economists say, oh, the economy is going to, you know, the financial situation isn't looking great. Well, they're in panic mode and we panic. But I'm here to say that regardless of what's happening, regardless of what's happening around you, whatever you're going through, God is there. Just as he was there with them in the storm, he is there with you. Sometimes in your struggles, in your challenges, it might seem like God is not aware of what's going on. It might seem like he's sleeping. You you feel like waking him up, you've shouted, you've cried, you've prayed, and it's like the storm is still raving on, it's still going on. But remember that the disciples in all of that, they called on him. They didn't fully rely on the experience of the like. They didn't go, oh, leave him. He's the master. Let him sleep. Those who were skilled, like skilled sailors and fishermen to try and see them through. They called on Jesus. Verse 38, I'll read it again. Verse 38 says, the disciples woke him and said to him, teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. So Jesus did still the storm. Yes, the disciples got wet. Yes, their boat was battered. The passage says that the boat was nearly swamped with water. So they're really beginning to feel the impact of that storm. But when they called on Jesus, he stilled the storm. And that's what I want to encourage you to do today. You know, beyond God, call on him. Because he's already there. He was always there with the disciples. They just had to call on him. One other thing is, and I wonder if some of you picked this up when I started reading, was that in the fear that the disciples were experiencing, they forgot God's word. Because verse 35 says, Jesus said, let's go over to the other side. 
And that's his word. So he had already told him they're going to get to the other side. He said, let's get to the other side. He didn't say it's going to be storm free. He didn't say um, they were going to go get there smoothly. And he also didn't say, let's hopefully get to the other side. His word was clear. It said, let's get to the other side. How really did it matter? What they had to focus on was the promise that God had given to them, that Jesus gave to them. Let's get to the other side. That was all the certainty that they needed. But they were so focused on the storm. Understandably so. But they were so focused on the storm that they forgot his word. And again, I'm trying to hopefully get across today that hold on to that word, whatever it is that God has said in his Bible, hold on to it. In Jeremiah, the word of God says, the Lord said, I am watching to see that my word is fulfilled. Yeah. So even though he was to them, he was watching over his word and there was no way they weren't going to get to the other side. How? You know, didn't really matter too much. The bottom line was they were going to get to the other side. So we could find sometimes find ourselves in, in one storm or another. It could be a financial storm. It could be um, a relationship, a working relationship, family relationship. It could be illness, terminal illness, permanent illness. It could be emotional, mental fears, uncertainty. I mean, just look around you. Uncertainty caused by this pandemic uncertainty caused by sort of change and fluctuations in weather. Like we can't seem to predict what weather is going to happen and how intense it's going to be or, or not. But in all of that uncertainty, what has God promised? He's promised that he would never leave us. He's promised that he would never forsake us. So hold on to his word. I'd like to encourage you with a promise in Deuteronomy. And that's in Deuteronomy chapter 31. I'm going to read verse 8. The Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. I'm reading this in Deuteronomy. Yeah, but even if it was written in Genesis, right from when, in like the very first book in the Bible, it's still applicable to you. The promise then is your promise. And the Lord watches over his word. He is going to fulfill his word. You just need to know what that word is and hold on to that word. You know, All right, so the disciples got wet. They didn't get drowned. 
But some of you might go, uh-uh, I don't feel like I am avoiding the drown. I feel like I'm already sinking. I feel like I'm drowning. There's so much happening in my life. I feel like I'm being already consumed by it. So how is God going to help me? I think I'm already in it. Yeah. Well, let me encourage you again. Sometimes God steals the storm like he did for his disciples. But sometimes he steals our souls. He gives us peace. But whether he's stealing the storm or whether it is your soul that's being still, he is always there. He always will be there. In the book of Daniel, chapter 3, we um, read about King Nebuchadnezzar and the three Hebrew guys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And I'm sure most of you would know that story. King Nebuchadnezzar had built this massive golden image and made a decree that everyone must bow down and worship this golden image that he's built. And it was a case of worship the image or die. Like all kind of dying is dying, right? But he was going to throw whomever didn't worship his golden image into a blazing furnace. And so these Hebrew boys refused to do it. They said they weren't going to do it. The king heard of it, called on them, and sort of said the whole thing to them again. Look, you're going to have to worship my God, old you know, which he felt was the God to be worshipped or be thrown into the furnace. So they responded in Daniel chapter 3, verse 17. And I'll just read out their response to him. So they say in verse 17, this is the three Hebrew boys. If we're thrown into the blazing furnace... The God we serve is able to save us from it and he will rescue us from your hand. This is because Nebuchadnezzar had said to them in the verse earlier that he will throw them in and no God will be able to rescue them from the blazing furnace. And then verse 18 says, but even if he doesn't, so even if God doesn't rescue them, we, won't, we want you to know, O king, that we will not serve your God, the image of gold that you have set up. So they had a tough decision. They had a tough decision. He didn't quite ask them to make this golden image their God. He only asked them to worship it. Yeah, so they could have quickly bow down, worshipped it, escape the furnace, go back, repent, oh God, I'm sorry, and then, you know, like, carry on serving God. No one would have known. It might not have been covered in the scripture. You know, we'll be none the wiser. But in that tough decision, they stood their ground. They said, our God is able He is able to deliver us. But even if he doesn't, we still will not worship that golden image. 
Now, this really infuriated Nebuchadnezzar. And what he did was he turned the fire, turned it up a notch. He turned it up seven times. Like, I once thought that the heat of fire is what it is. Like, it cannot get any hotter once it's hot. But obviously, I was wrong because he could whack it up seven times more than it already was. Yep. But if I just jump back to the same passage in verse 3 and read 24. I'll start from 24. So before 24, they'd said what they said. He got very mad. They whacked the heat up, threw them into the fire. He bound them, hands and feet. And then 24 says, Then King Nebuchadnezzar leaped to his feet in amazement and asked his advisors, weren't there three men that we tied up and threw into the fire? They replied. He said, look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed. And the fourth looks like a son of the gods. Like, hey, you know, they weren't prevented from the fire. In fact, it was turned up. So it was turned up after they had acknowledged that they have a God who can save them. So you could be going through some situation and you're going, God's going to save me. I'm praying, I'm fasting, I've called on my group of friends, my prayer support network, they're praying with me. God's going to say, you've called God and you know he's able to do it. And then what happens? The situation doesn't seem to fade. Instead, it gets worse. The interesting thing here was that fire, that fire was set up, intensified, to consume them, yet to destroy them, to kill them. But what happened in that fire? That was the same fire that displayed the glory of God. So I ask again, what is that burning situation you're going through? You know, whatever, what is that fire you're facing? It might well be that in your case, you're just having trouble trusting God and you feel that that's, that's where you're at. Like, I just need to get to that point where I can really trust God and that's what you're going through and that's the situation consuming. It could be that. It could be something really personal. It could be illness. It could be finances. And you've called on to God. Better, it seems to have become worse. Well, I just want to encourage you today by saying that that trial, that fire, that situation you're going through, that you're thinking is going to consume you, you're not in it. Jesus is in it with you. Christ is in it with you. And that situation that you feel is going to just wreck your life, 
you know, you feel that situation is, that's it, that's the end. Well, that's the same situation that God can glorify himself in. Just as the fire that was set to, to consume the three Hebrew boys was the same fire that was used to display the glory of God. So I'm talking about holding on to God's word and his promises. Jeremiah, he would never leave you. He would never forsake you. He didn't say you would never feel like I've left you. You would never feel like I've forsaken you. You might have those feelings. But when you have those feelings, have that knowledge that he will never leave you. That's his promise. He's made us another promise in Isaiah chapter 43. I'm going to read verse 2. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned The flames will not set you ablaze. That's his word. That's his promise. And if verse 1 of 43, and make it a bit more personal, then we can really absorb it, I feel, a lot more. So 43 verse 1 says, But now this is what the Lord says, He who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. So when you go back and you want to reflect on Isaiah chapter 43, I want to encourage you to actually take out O Jacob and O Israel and put your name in there. So when it says, but now this is what the Lord says, he who created you, O Jacob, personalize that and say, he who created me, and then you put your name in, he who formed me, you fill out your name, that makes it more personal, that makes you realize that, well, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have redeemed you. That's what the Lord says. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. Yeah? And then verse 2 goes on to say, When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you pass through the rivers, you will not, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned The flames will not set you ablaze. You know, that's it. Whatever it is, what is that situation you're going through that you feel, you feel, you fear that it's about to, you're about to drown in it? Well, that's a problem, God. And He has said, that he is watching over his words to fulfill them in your life. 
think the last time I was up here, I talked about having a little pocket verse or a pocket testimony. It's one of those things where even if all you have is that one verse, that he will, he's watching over his word to fulfill it, or he would never leave you or forsake you, when you don't feel like it, when it feels like you're really going through a tough time, hold on to that word. Like the song said, hang on to it. Like really cling to that word. We don't know what it's going to be if he will steal the storm or if he will steal your soul. But he will give you that peace and that situation will display the glory of God in your life. So wrap up, I've got a few points just draw out from what um, the passages we've read. So in Mark, we read about the disciples, yeah, fear of being drowned by the waves. In their fear, they cried out to Jesus. They were fearful, yes, but they must have had a tiny belief. Otherwise, why would they have bothered waking Jesus up? They would just left him. He is the master, isn't he? He's a carpenter, isn't he? What does he know? Let's leave him. But before Mark chapter 4.35, he'd been with them, he told them lots of parables, and he performed miracles. So they had some belief that if they wake him up, if they cry out to him, if they call on him, he could do something, he could save them. They cried out to Jesus and he answered. That's what I want to encourage you to do today. Call out to him. Even if the Bible says all you need is a tiny mustard seed like faith. Call out to him. Call out to him in that desperation that you feel. And he will answer. He will come to you. But also... In verse 36, it says, there are other boats. So when Jesus said, come, let's go to the other side, it also goes on to tell us there were other boats. It doesn't tell us about who we had in those boats. And the people in those boats probably didn't even know they had Jesus in one of the boats. And if they did, the storm was raging, so they didn't think he would make a difference. There were other boats in that storm. And when the disciples cried out, Jesus stilled the storm. And what Jesus did as other people in the boats. So when you cry out to God, you know, you might be going through a situation at your place of work and you're thinking, well, it's just me. No one even knows I'm a Christian. No one even knows I can pray. Well, do it. Cry out to God. And what God would do in you could positively affect those around you. And then the Hebrew boys, they didn't say God will deliver us. We will not worship that image because God will deliver us. No. They said God is able. He is able 
to do it. So they were kind of 50-50. He might do it. He might not do it. Either way, we do know he's able to. And with that confidence, they made worship that image, that golden image. You know, we've got, you, you, you've probably got some tough decisions out there. We're all nice and comfortable here sitting down and listening or watching online. But then you know that the moment you walk out through those doors, the moment you go offline, you're going to walk straight into that storm you left to come into church. You're going to start your week and you know those tough decisions that you were saying, thank God it's Friday. Well, it's Monday. You've got the week. You've got to make a decision. And maybe you're not even feeling as confident as the Hebrew boys to say, it's a 50-50, you know, God might help me, God will help, but either way, I am going to make the right decision. Do I will not succumb to whatever pressures are out there. You know, you, you really wished you could do those kind of things and you don't feel you're able to. You're, you feel weak, like you really want to, but you can't. Well, let me read one last scripture in 2 Corinthians. And that's 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9. It says, But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest on me. So don't leave feeling, oh, I don't have what those Hebrew boys had. I feel weak, so hard that I am physically weak. I'm exhausted. But here it tells us that Christ's power rests on us. His grace is sufficient for us. His power is made perfect in weakness. The disciples weren't confident. They were very doubtful. Hey, we're going to drown and you're sleeping. But, you know, maybe. So wherever you are at, the good thing is, God knows you by name. He knows your individual circumstances. He knows what you, what you can handle and what you can't handle. He knows where your faith threshold is he knows what you aspire to do Paul says he knows all about that he knows you inside and out you just need to call on him he is there with you whatever it is even if it doesn't feel like it he's there with you so I hope you've all been blessed and I really hope that when you leave today, when you log offline, that 
you would have that confidence now. Yes, you've got that storm, you've got the decisions, but God is there with you. So I'll just pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. We thank you for reminding us that you are with us. You are there with us. We will not be drowned in the storm and we will not be burned in the fire. Because you, Father, I bring before you, my brothers and sisters here, Lord, you know what they're going through, each of them. And I pray, Lord, for that stillness, that you will still, you give them that stillness, O oh Lord, as they trust in you, as they hold on to your word, as they hold on to your promises as they hold on to the knowledge that you are there with them. Let them know, Lord, that you are able to still the storm. You are able to still their soul. You will calm them, calm their souls, and calm the storm. But whichever it is, let them know, Lord, that you are there. You are there with them. They are not alone. You're walking through the fire with them. Their hands may feel bound, but as you walk with me, and because of what you're doing in their life, as they walk through the fire, as you calm the storm, Lord, your glory will be displayed in their lives. Your glory will be displayed in the situation that they find themselves in. I just pray for your peace. I just pray for your blessings on us all in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 So um, last Sunday, Pastor Giles said we'll be having communion today.